Well, hey, good morning, Life Church. Thanks again so much for clicking in or downloading in or tuning in, however you find yourself to be with us this morning. Um, we're grateful for the opportunity to continue to gather in this way. Uh, again, we're continuing our series, 71 Words. I don't want our conversations to specifically surround COVID-19. Uh, Certainly will come up in my notes and in your thoughts, but I want to forge ahead in our other aspects of living outside this coronavirus circumstance. That that being said, I just want you to know we're, we're praying for you all. I'm praying for you. Hope you're staying safe, staying well. Um, thank you so much for your patience as we continue to create uh prayerfully, thoughtfully consider how we can forge into our future, into our here and now. We uh, fully believe, uh, when I say we, I mean my wife and I, the elder team, the staff team, and all the builders and people who I've connected with and related to, we fully believe that we will get through this season. And not only will we get through it, but we believe uh, our root system will continue to grow. Who we are as Christ followers will strengthen um, and we firmly intend to come out the other side of this season stronger, uh, more honoring of God, uh, and more understanding of what it means to be salt and light. And so thank you for your patience. You know, uh, many of you understand and know that I did not go to seminary. I think they covered pandemic outbreaks uh, in the second semester of seminary. Unfortunately, uh, my history degree at William Mary fails me for such. Uh, but anyway, we thank you so much for your patience. We'll be uh, communicating later this week um, or early this next week on um, our plans into the future. Again, if you hear some rustling or banging around, uh, I'm at my desk, uh, so you're going to hear some papers and things probably. Um, also, if I may perhaps uh, just say a word about the coronavirus and who we are as people, perhaps you don't find yourself in a dangerous place as your age and health are not those listed on lists. To you, per your conduct, I would ask and exhort you, please think not only of yourself. This virus may manifest in a passing unwell moment for you, and that's it. But if you were to unwittingly infect someone who has mitigating health factors or find themselves at a vulnerable age, you yourself would be quickly weaponized with palpable, potentially life-threatening consequences. So wherever you find yourself on the spectrum of health and vitality and listing on lists or so forth, we would just encourage you to please, as I said, think not only of yourself. I was reading something from Pastor Patrick Kitely's father-in-law. He wrote really a wonderful piece, and he commented that the term social distancing is a misnomer. It's actually physical distancing. Um, so be careful, uh, the closeness, the intimacy, but don't be fooled that we can socially interact. We can continue to forge ahead in our relationships, deepen even our relationships in these times and these seasons. Uh, one more uh, word, if I might, just to, to be aware of the deconstruction of your default. It's something I've commented in some emails out to you all, but we rely on the default. We rely on the default of once a week we know we're going to get into the presence of God. Once a week we know we're going to worship together. Once a week we know we're going to give an offering. Once a week we know we're going to rub shoulders with somebody at church or maybe it's at work or at the grocery store or something. Um, the default of getting up in a normal morning. And I just would caution everyone to understand that our, our default has been deconstructed. And uh, so those things that maybe you got naturally 
uh, or usually in your routines, routinely, um, those things are gone. And so, but make sure that you know your soul needs them. Your soul needs to relate. Your soul needs the presence of God. And we've sent out some resources for worship and His presence, and we'll continue to do so. Um, but also, here's the honest truth, church. You're going to have to dig a little bit. You're going to have to develop some new routines, maybe some healthier habits. Uh, that Those things that you picked up by default, you're going to now have to, have to purposefully and intentionally create. Um, we're praying for you. We're grateful for the presence of God and His faithfulness to us, His Emmanuel reality. And uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to comment on those couple of things. Hey, if you would, um, we're going to celebrate communion at the close of this message. Um, so um, press pause. Um, or go while I kind of chit-chat for a second, find a cracker, a Pop-Tart, a juice box. Maybe you want to, I don't know how you roll in the mornings, maybe uh, bread and a Bloody Mary or wine and toast or uh, just something. Um, some, something to signify and remind us of who Jesus is, uh, whatever your flow might be. <laughs> but let's read our passage of scripture together. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, upon being asked by the disciples... Teach us to pray. He says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. As we read these words, these 71 words, I want to reiterate the frame of our conversation, not settling for the solitary, myopic forms of prayer, but from the disciples' inquisition towards their observations of Jesus. This notion that they would ask a rabbi, teach us to pray, was very normal because praying wasn't just asking God, though it was that as well. It's, there's an intriguing piece to it, but it's also, hey, Jesus, how do you will in your life circumstance? How do you lean? How do you live? And so the the title of our conversation, the the overarching theme of our conversation uh, for this series, 71, showing us how to pray, think, dream, interact, be human. Jesus is God. He also gives us the way to go. God in the person of Jesus emancipates our soul to live freely and fully. We believe that. He also exemplifies a life lived to its fullest extent, gives us ways and means for us to live in our here and our now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather. We thank you for who you are. Your presence is unchanging. Your promise of being with us is forever found to be true. We pray for our world today. We pray for health and wholeness. We pray for good reports. We pray for the healing of those who are sick, the comforting for those who are racked with fear. We pray for our government today. We pray for our president. We pray for our scientists and our doctors who are feverishly working. We pray for our first responders and our nurses and all those who are caring for so many others. We pray for the homes, the families, all of us who have found ourselves in this quarantined context just help us, Father. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen and amen. Well, continuing our, our, our passage, the, these next few words that we're looking at, we're talking about today are, give us this daily bread. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Now, before we get too deep, I want to read something N.T. Wright says from his book, The Lord and His Prayer. He says, the danger with the prayer for bread is that we get there too soon. We come to prayer aware of urgent needs or at least wants. It's tempting to race through the Lord's Prayer as far as on earth as it is in heaven so that we can then take a deep breath and say, now look here. When it comes to daily bread, there are some things I simply must have. And then off we go into a shopping list. To do this, of course, is to let greed get in the way of grace. When that happens, greed defeats its own object. If we don't spend time adoring our Father in heaven, seeking honor of his name and praying for his kingdom, all our own desires and hopes will simply present themselves to us in a muddled and jumbled fashion, coming bubbling up to the surface in what C.S. Lewis called a steam of consciousness. That, for me, echoes the words of Jesus as well. We find just a few lines down from our passage in Matthew chapter 6 as he's speaking about not being anxious. Don't worry about the clothes that you're wearing. Don't worry about the things that are going on. And he ends with verse 33 in chapter 6. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. J.I. Packer writes in that book that I've been quoting to you all, Having focused on God's name, kingdom, and will, the Lord's Prayer turns attention to our meals. Is this a letdown? Not at all. It's a genuine progression. How so? He continues, Some regard petitions for personal material needs as low-grade prayer, as if God were not interested in the physical side of life, and we should not be either. But such hyper-spirituality is really an unspiritual ego trip. I'm going to pause and just let that sit in. Such hyper-spirituality is really an unspiritual ego trip. Packer ascends further. He says, This petition, give us this day our daily bread, shows us how to regard our bodies. The Christian way is not to deify them, making health and beauty ends in themselves, as modern pagans do, nor is it to despise them, making scruffiness a virtue, as some ancient pagans and Christians too, unfortunately, once did. It is rather to accept one's body as part of God's good creation, to act as its stewards and managers, and gratefully to enjoy it as one does so. Thus we honor its maker. Such enjoyment in no way is in no way spiritual for Christ's disciples. For them, it is like their salvation, the Lord's free gift. Packer concludes, Well did some rabbis teach that at the judgment, God will hold against us every pleasure that he offered us and we neglected. Do we yet know how to enjoy ourselves? Yes, physically too, to the glory of God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I got to throw him in there because he's one of my favorites. He adds, give us his daily bread is said as long as disciples are on earth so that they should not be ashamed to pray for their bodily needs. Those are just frames I want to set forth for our thoughts today. Before our inspection of these actual words, numbers 27 through 33, if you're taking notes, I want us to parachute out as far as we can to the greater whole because there's a sizable shift that swiftly takes place in this prayer of Jesus, and I want to highlight it. There are two distinct triads here in this prayer of Jesus. Listen to it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The first triad revolves around name, kingdom, and will. It's a focus of your, God, uh, divine. N.T. Wright mentioned it too in this excerpt that I read just a few moments ago. The second triad, which we're beginning today, 
Let me read it. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. So the, the first triad revolves around name, kingdom, and will. The second triad, which again, we're beginning today, revolves around bread, debts, and temptation. It's about us. It's about humanity. Now, a, a few things here. There are implications of prioritization. How should we go about prioritizing our life? According to Jesus, when we're talking about the Lord's Prayer, not just praying, but how do we order our lives? What does the prioritization look like? The first triad would communicate its name, its kingdom, its His will. The second triad follows that bread, debts, and temptation are all part of our humanity. There's a suggestion here as well of progression, how we are to move Name, kingdom, will, bread, debt, temptation. And here again, there's an overall message of merging. That which is in heaven is to be birthed on earth, not the other way around. We are, as creations of the Creator, to bring Him down, exemplify Him, emanate His presence, not achieve, climb up to, or shelter towards. There's a kind of call and response here, a flow, a give and a take, a great exchange. So just store that away as a theme, an overarching theme of the scriptures, these two triads. Now to the verbiage, or for those of you who are enjoying homeschooling, you'll love this. There's a a grammar piece to our conversation today. The, The grammar here is, I think, very telling and something important for us to note. The grammar of these words... Per the second triad, bread, debts, and temptation, the, the, the verbiage, the grammar that, that Jesus uses, the language that he uses, that again, that he uses for us to use, is the imperative. Give, forgive, lead. They're not, if you get around to it, requests. They're intensely offered commands laden with expectation. Hear me now. They're not abrasive They're not rude, but they are fervent. They are filled with expectation. This makes me, again, remember Hebrews 4.16 that says, Come boldly to the throne of grace. This reminds me of a comedian that Hunter Agate gave to me years ago, um, Brian Regan. If you're looking for some good, wholesome uh, comedy, uh, I believe most of his stuff can be reached online. And he's a a funny guy. He's a clean guy. Uh, But he tells a story and he chides parents for being frustrated with children as they lose their balloons, as they're walking upon the sidewalk. And if you're a parent here today, you know what this is like. And you, you, you offer to tie the balloon around the wrist, but they don't want to. You, you try and tie it around their belt buckle when they're not paying attention, but they catch you. And so you give up and you're walking down the sidewalk and you're holding the balloon. And as is usually the case, they let go of the balloon or something knocks their hand and the balloon goes flying away and they lose their, their minds. They just lose their minds over a balloon. And it's just a balloon. And Brian Regan, the comedian, makes his point. He says, <laughs> he says, how would you feel if your wallet just started to float away? If your wallet just up and loosed itself from your wallet and floated away, you would lose your mind. That's the same type of value and worth that balloon has to the child. <laughs> Why am I bringing that up? The reality is that everything's a balloon to God. Everything seems less than to God, except that He 
gives it value because we give it value. That's why in Psalm 55 and in 1 Peter 5, we are are encouraged. Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares first for you. He cares for us. These, this language, this verbiage, this imperative, give, forgive, lead. Again, not abrasive, but fervent. This past week, we've, uh, our normal has been disrupted like everybody else. And one of the silver linings to the disruption has been the fact that we've had family dinners. We don't have baseball practices to run to. We don't have uh, late night jobs or meetings or things that take away from us. We've all sat down at the dinner table every single night. And it's been a blessing. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of time for uh, correction, adjustment, teaching moments, and also just to enjoy food together. But I think almost every night in the course of conversations as Jude is talking and Ace is expressing his comments and Tanya sharing her opinions and I'm telling everybody else what I think is absolutely and completely right, um, Zoe sits there quietly with her hand raised like she's in class. And while that's cute and while that's very kind and maybe with a certain amount of manners, I as her dad look at her and I'm like, don't raise your hand. You're my daughter. Just talk. And I think in the same way, we shouldn't be people who just kind of sit idly by. God does not ask us to be quiet. He says, come to us. Come to me. Give me your requests. Give me your concerns. And so if you find yourself kind of sitting idly by and, well, God will take care of everybody else and God will do this for that one and God will do that for this one, um, don't just sit with your hand raised. You are a daughter of the king. You are a son that God cares about. And he, even as the prodigal son, the story communicates the whole chapter. He goes looking for the lost sheep. He seeks out that lost coin in the house. He redeems the lost son, the prodigal son, and he goes out to talk with and comfort the older son in that story, that parable as well. God is one who comes towards us. On to the subject matter. Bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, there's a lot of substance in that substance, in that subject matter. Suffice it to say, Jesus' listeners would not have been familiar with the carboversion diet, the keto, the Atkins, the paleo, or whatever. To them, bread was not the enemy. Bread was not evil. Can I get a delicious, warm, rustic amen from a sourdough loaf? Mmm. Bread, bread was the center of every meal. Oh man, I just got really hungry (laughs) thinking about that. Anyway, bread was a staple. Bread was a constant. Bread was an expected central part, not just of a dish, but of their physical existence. This would have also, Jesus' use of the word bread here would have also immediately conjured images of manna and heavenly provision in wilderness times. N.T. Wright adds this, Matthew, writing his gospel, saw this prayer partially answered in the feedings of the 5,000 and the 4,000, more fully in the Last Supper, and most fully of all in Jesus' death and resurrection. Give us this day our daily bread. Bread then, much like now, is critical. It's critical. It's also controlling. We know, scientifically speaking, even with the world population soaring to an almost 8 billion people, our planet can create enough bread. 
our planet can create enough food for all to survive and even thrive. So, any lack is not needing asking for the rains to come, but for the powers that be to let go of the bread. The human conundrum is rarely a question of production, but of distribution. Let me say that again. The human conundrum, and whatever that speaks to in your heart, maybe in relationships, certainly the soul level, joy, salvation, but finances and bread. The human conundrum is rarely a question of production, but of distribution. Our common area era concern is not with scarcity, but tyranny. Before we go pointing fingers at obvious despots or leaders we don't applaud or agree with or vote for or fill in the blank, let us apply the lessons we have learned from the first triad of our Lord's Prayer. On earth as it is in heaven, this merging of earth and heaven, let us begin with ourselves. And you might be here today saying, Christoph, I'm not a despot. I'm not a tyrant. I'm not controlling anything. Just, just, just relax. Just take a deep breath. Remember, this Jesus, as he's speaking, was steeped in a religious tradition that was laced with the question, the, the constant question from cover to cover of the scriptures. Does everyone have enough? My wife, whenever she makes dinner, she serves everybody before she serves herself. She, she always puts together their plates and makes sure they have everything they want. She makes sure Jude has the Texas peach. She makes sure that Asa has the crushed red pepper. She makes sure that Zoe has asparagus because for some reason, my daughter Zoe loves asparagus. And she makes sure that I have what I need. She makes sure whatever. And then nine times out of ten, she'll sit down and say, okay, let's pray. And we look at her and she's like, oh, wait. I don't have my food. And she goes and then gets hers and we come back and we pray and we eat our meal. Does everyone have enough? There was a three-pronged prayer and exhortation that you find throughout the scriptures. A call to the Jewish people that Jesus again would have been steeped in. That the widow, the foreigner, and the orphan, these three frames of society who could never ever provide for themselves the widow the foreigner and the orphan there was a constant refrain does everyone have enough is everyone taken care of does everyone have food in our moment in our current coronavirus moment give us this day our daily bread rings loud and true as it did before this circumstance, as it will after. But in our moment, and and maybe this is too much, but hey, since it's just me and a microphone in my office, I feel safe to say it. Are we hoarding ourselves? Are we hoarding for ourselves? Or do we see ourselves as safe havens in the midst of God's house, filled with His Spirit and provision, open for all? Let me say it again because I do feel safe (laughs) in my office with this microphone. Are we hoarding for ourselves or do we see ourselves as safe havens in the midst of God's house? Again, our Father in heaven filled with his spirit and provision open for all. Now I'm speaking about bread. I'm speaking about 
our finances. I'm speaking about toilet paper. Come on, church. I'm speaking about relationships. I'm speaking about a listening ear for those who might be scared or anxious or afraid. I'm speaking about groceries that maybe someone can't get in this circumstance. I'm thinking about who this Jesus is, that in the midst of this storm, you have a peace and a calm because of the presence of God. Are we hoarding this Jesus to ourselves? Are we hoarding our finances? Are we hoarding our bread? Are we hoarding our toilet paper in these moments? Or do we see ourselves as God sees us, as safe havens in the midst of his house, filled with his spirit, filled with his provision, and open for all? If you didn't listen to me and you didn't go get a Pop-Tart and a juice box or whatever for communion, just go ahead and do that. I want to celebrate communion together. And I want to read a passage from the Lord in His Prayer by N.T. Wright. He's speaking on giving us this day our daily bread. He says, This is the kingdom banquet, and we are the honored guests. That, as we saw, is where this clause in the prayer began. But the Eucharist, or the bread and the cup communion, is also the place, above all, where we can come with our own physical, psychological, emotional, and spiritual needs and lay them before the God to whom all desires are known. The drama of what we do here, coming with empty hands to receive bread, God's bread, the bread of life, the bread of tomorrow, which is Jesus Christ himself, this drama draws together in a deep and rich symbol the whole action by which we bring our muddled and jumbled selves into the light and love of God. Jesus celebrated the kingdom by sharing his feasts with all sorts of people. So should we. Here's a practical suggestion. It's only a start, but it's better to start somewhere than to leave everything at the level of grand general ideas. The next time you come to the Eucharist, which church we're doing right now, with your Pop-Tart, with your orange juice, whatever you have with your coffee and your bagel, here's a practical suggestion. Next time you come to the Eucharist, bring with you, in mind and heart, someone you know or know of, or have seen on television who desperately need God's bread, literally or metaphorically today, bring them with you. Let them kneel in your mind's eye with you at the altar rail, and let them share the bread and wine with you. And as you return, strengthened by God's food, asking yourself what this new friend would mean when he or she prays, give me this day my daily bread, then ask how you might be a part of God's answer to that prayer. After all, we ourselves are only at Jesus' table, because he made a habit of celebrating parties with all the wrong people. Isn't it about time we started to copy him? And so at this this moment, I'd just love to celebrate communion together. And so you have your bread, you have your cup. We are mindful of the words of Jesus. It says, do this in remembrance of me. And all that that entails to our souls, all that exhorts to us to do with our souls, glorifying the honor of God, being salt, being light to the world around us, to our families, to our friends, to our neighbors, to the strangers, to all those we come in contact. Father, we thank you so much for this bread and this cup. We thank you for what it means to our bodies, what it means to our souls. We thank you for your exhortation to take a moment, find the space, and remember who you are, what you've done. We thank you for the body 
of Jesus was broken for us, the blood that was spilled, so that we could have relationship with you, so that we could indeed, in the midst of our storms, have calm, so that we, when everything seems unstable, we have a rock that is not moved. We have a refuge that keeps us safe. We have a name that's above every other name. We thank you for those things. We thank you for the person of Jesus. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this moment. Speak to us. Mold us and shape us. Make us more into your image. Help us to remember you in all our circumstances. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, Amen. You may, uh, whatever you got there, take the bread, take the cup. Just take a moment. Well, again, we just want to say thank you so much for coming to be with us. If you're here and you're you're listening um, and you, you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, we'd love to give you that opportunity this morning. Um, however you came about this, download this, uh, this message. Uh, reach out to the person who sent it to you. Maybe reply to an email or whatever so we could connect with you because it's not just about praying a prayer. It's about uh, following Jesus day in and day out. I first uh, committed my life to Christ when I was uh, 18 years old. Uh, That was not the last time, but it was the first time of many. And daily, I commit my life to Jesus, sometimes more than others, sometimes more happily than others. Um, But uh, if you find yourself in that space today and uh, you just, you want to accept everything that Christ has done on the cross for you, uh, give him your sins and receive full life and Hear the voice of the Father say, Welcome home. I love you. I'm for you. Um, It's a whole journey. It's a wonderful journey, uh, but it begins with you accepting Him into your heart, into your life. Uh, And just pray with me as I pray this prayer Jesus, I give you my life. If that's you today, just pray that uh, wherever you are Jesus, I give you my life. We're so glad that you did. We're so glad that you prayed that prayer. And we are praying for you. Again, please reach out to somebody. Maybe you're seated next to somebody on a couch or at a table. Um, or again, maybe you, this found you by way of an email. Reply to that email. Tell somebody, hey, I accepted Christ as my Savior. Now what? Um, and we would, we're going to be there for you. We're going to figure this thing out. Uh, and we're going to get into a, a future together that maybe never any of us thought about or you know, imagined. But God knows and he's faithful to complete all those things which he has started. Let me leave you all with a benediction today. May we, first, foremost, and finally, conduct ourselves as if we know God loves us, is for us, and cares about us. May we go to God regularly and enjoy all He is and all He has for us. May we merge our earthly attitude and existence with heaven's ways, means, and influence. And may we remember that with Jesus, it only gets better. We love you all so much. We're praying for you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll be in touch.